All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Shades of Strong, where we are talking about all the things that shake, make, and sometimes break the strong black woman. I'm Cheryl, and of course, Nettie has a beautiful face in the place. Hey, hey, Nettie. Nettie. hey. <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. How you doing? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. We've been talking about healing for, oh my gosh, about three to five weeks, I think now. <laughs> when we yeah. started talking about it, I had no idea it was going to morph into a mini series, but that is exactly what happened. And so I'm so grateful that. We started off talking about people telling you how to heal. And I think we did one on sisterhood, healing from broken sisterhoods and friendships. Mm -hmm. And of course, Natty and I shared our stories. And then the amazing Michelle Goodlow came in and just brought it all the way home with how to take care of yourself before, during, and after a crisis. So it was, I mean, it was so good, girl. Like, I was like, y'all do that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it, really good. It absolutely was not planned. It was just like, we didn't plan to do a whole series on healing, but that's the God thing. I just got to say it fell into place. And I really believe with everything in me that people were blessed by the messages that were put out because th- those, those were actually some of our most listened, listened to episodes. So. Oh, awesome. Well, it's important. You know, it's it it's clearly on a lot of people's minds. And I just, I think it's probably something that people are wanting to talk about a lot and maybe aren't talking about as much as they want to. So, yeah. We're glad you guys enjoyed it. We enjoyed bringing it to you. And today we yep. got something awesome planned for you. So for the next two episodes, we are going to be answering your question. We put out a a request for you guys to send in questions for us to answer on the podcast. And when I tell y'all they came through, they came through. (laughs) Now, some of them think will be better suited for a full episode. So, So if you don't have your question answered in this week's episode or next week's episode, know that we did not forget it. We just feel like it will be better suited for a full podcast episode rather than us trying to answer it in a five to 10 minute session. And we hope we do a good job with it because we did not rehearse our responses. <laughs> we never rehearse any of this, just never so y'all know. rehearse our responses. We never rehearse any of our podcast episodes. We just kind of, if nope. it comes up, it comes out. We know what we want to talk about. And we trust that God will lead us to give you what you need in that right. Like I say, every episode, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Hit us up at hi at shadesofstrong.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, shades. Of Shades of Strong across all platforms. So we are going to start with our first question. I'm going to randomly select a question. So give me just a moment here, Natty. All right. So the first question is, how do you work through feelings of unworthiness when it comes to interacting with others? Yeah. So do you want me to take this first or are you going to take this first or what do you want to do? I think for me, because I have experienced this before. And so I'm trying to think about how I actually get through that moment because I have walked into a room 
where there were like, you know, all these professional people and mm-hmm. well-educated and maybe they had more education than I had. And, you know, maybe some of them may have been a little prettier than I am. Probably not. But yeah. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but I have been in a space like that before. And I guess for me being the person that I am now and I've done some growing, I probably would immediately begin to do some affirmations or even do some affirmations before going there to remind myself Mm -hmm. that I am worthy and that I Mm -hmm. do deserve to be in the room. Yeah. I was thinking about, like you said, like how you've been in situations where you felt that way before in the past. And I definitely have had those kinds of experiences as well. Just really and it's not even like being intimidated because you feel like I, cause I felt like, Oh, well, people were smarter or whatever. I, you know, I, I went to an Ivy league college and, and a lot of the, you know, the average student was well off and I was not one of those students that was well off and it can be a real weird feeling to be around a lot, a large number of people like that, because the energy is very different. The attitudes are very different. And I remember when I was in college and in my early to mid twenties, when I was working as an opera singer, I, I was always in those kinds of environments. And I remember thinking there are things that you have, and I'm talking to myself when I'm saying this, I would say there are things that you have, you know, on the inside that most of these people do not have. There is a down-to-earth quality about you. There is a humility about you. There is a level of understanding and empathy towards others that clearly a lot of these people did not have because, I mean, I was observing it on a regular basis. And it's not to, you know, it's not to bash anybody that's well-to-do or bash anyone who went to private school or anything like that. Like I said, the energy is just very different. And when you come out of an environment like that where the energy is very different, like I said, your the attitudes and just the way, the way you move through different spaces is very different. And I'm the type of person... I'm this type of person now, and I was this type of person then. I was never one to just kind of be fake. Like, I I couldn't do it. Like, even if I wanted to, I couldn't do it because I just, you know, my my emotions and how I'm feeling, you can kind of see it on my face. And so I was never one to just kind of put on a happy face and try and put on airs, as, as the older generation used to say, put on airs. I, I couldn't do it. And so I had to get really firm in understand just in remembering I am who I am and I got here because I worked hard. I got here because of my skills and talents. You know, it certainly wasn't anything, you know, one like, oh well you had, you know, you had some sort of in, like you had relatives that went here or anything like that. I did work that I needed to do and here I am. And with my my career in music was the same kind of thing. I did work that I needed to do and here I am. And so that made me understand 
that made me re- just remember that I belong just as much as anybody else. Absolutely. Just because I'm from a different and um, a different background or um, different social standing or anything like that. That stuff didn't matter because I knew that I had done the work that I needed to do to be where I was. And like you were saying, like now that you're, you're in a different place, you know, we're both, we're both now middle-aged women and we've done a lot of work on ourselves. That was what I was thinking as someone who didn't really fully know who she was and had no healing whatsoever and was in very many ways still very insecure. And I was still able to at least pull that off. So now with the amount of work that I've done on myself and the healing, the the measure of healing that I have been able to get thus far and not being insecure that way, it's kind of the same. I would say it's, it's the same thing. You've got to remember that wherever you are, like you said, you have, um, you have just as much right to be where you are as anyone else. And if it's a situation where you're in a professional setting or um, something like that, just know that your, your skills and your talents and your gifts, whatever unique things about you that you have, those things are the things that got you there. And that's not anything that anyone can take away. And y- you probably have things to offer. I'm sure you have things to offer that the other people in the room probably don't. And you need to hold on to that and, and understand that that's the reason why you're there. Because if you weren't meant to be there, you wouldn't be there. So I, I get that that's probably easier said than done. But if I could do it as a teenager and very young adult who had all kinds of other issues, it probably isn't that difficult to do. And as, like I said, as you get more and more healing inner healing, the way that we've been talking about the last several weeks, it'll be much, much simpler to remember that and act on it. But, you know, yeah, that's what I would say. I think just remembering that whatever you have to offer on the inside, that's important and that's valuable. And just like you said, Shirley, like that's, you're already worthy because of those things, because that's who you are. You're already innately worthy because of just existing. And so constantly reminding yourself, especially in situations where that might, you know, those are situations that might provoke you know, feelings of anxiety or something like that. So like we were talking last week, taking deep breaths, taking slow measured breaths and telling yourself these things, you know, just kind of meditating on, on them in your head for you know, 30 seconds. I think that could help. I think that the, the most important thing, as you were saying, Natty, is that is to recognize and believe that you deserve to be in the room, that you deserve to take up space. And it doesn't matter, like you were saying, you know, what environment you grew up in. It doesn't matter what your social your um, social status is or your economic status is. You deserve to be in a room and no one can make you feel less than unless you give them permission to do that. And so I think it is important that the affirmations, I've I've never done the affirmations before, because like I said, as I've grown, I don't feel, I don't feel inferior to other people. I don't care how much money they make. Right. It doesn't doesn't matter to me what type of vehicle they're driving, what type of um, car they ride in. I don't feel inferior 
to other people because I know that God has blessed us each with our own gifts. Mm-hmm. And those gifts will afford us the opportunities that other people have or are the the lifestyles that they have if that is God's plan for us and if we use our gifts in a way in which God intended for us to use them because we have all been gifted with the opportunity for abundance and so just because you have not stepped into that yet does not mean that you are not worthy it just means that when the timing is right and when you've done all that you that you are supposed to do God is going to open that door for you so first and foremost Know that you are indeed worthy and that you do deserve to be in the room, that you do deserve to take up space. But it may be helpful to go through. Maybe there are some some things inside of you that need some healing. So it may be helpful to go through some healing and talk about why you're feeling inferior. You know, Natalie and I love journaling. So take out out a journal and, and, you know, journal about why. What is it about being in the presence of that person or those individuals? that make you feel inferior? And then why am I feeling that way? And then what can I do to move past those feelings? And then try some affirmations. You know, I am worthy. I deserve to be in the room. Just whatever speaks to your heart and your soul, because you do deserve to be in the room. Right. Right? Yeah, that's good. That's right. That's right. All right. The sooner we realize that, the better. (laughs) The sooner, the better. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to our next question. And it is, let's see. Oh, this is a good one. How much privacy should your child have? Well, since you you took the that last question first, I'll take this one first. Um, okay. I think every every child, every individual deserves a privacy. So uh, let me just start with that. I think when it comes to their their person, like their body, they they deserve their 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 privacy. They oh, deserve their own agency. Mm-hmm. No one should be allowed. No one, absolutely, no one should be allowed to just touch them without their permission, because that is their person, and no one owns that except them, and no one should be able to take that agency away. As far as like, oh, well, you know, they're kids and they're living under my roof, so they follow my rules. And da, 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 da. I think there's it, this kind of harkens back to something that we talked about, I don't know, several weeks ago about like being our kids' friend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think if, I think this, this relates to that. I think if you, do the best you can to foster an environment of trust and safety where they feel safe. I don't just mean physically safe, but they feel emotionally safe around you. There might not be many instances where they're trying to actively keep things from you. And so it won't be some hot button issue about, oh, well, you're invading, they feel you're invading their privacy and you feel like they're keeping something from you. And the only reason I say that is because I, I'm very fortunate to have one child who's an adult and I, with the, by the grace of God, I managed to foster that kind of relationship with him to where he was always telling me everything. Like every day we talk and I don't just mean we talk for a couple of minutes. We can, even to this day, we can go well, every day we can go 
two hours talking about all kinds of different things. And so he always knew that it was safe to come to me with things. It was safe to share things with me. And there were times where he shared things with me where that I was not, I wasn't comfortable hearing, you know, I was like, Oh really? (laughs) But because that, that trust was there, he never thought twice about it. And I'm glad. And so it was never a thing where, you know, if his door was closed, what's he, you know, what's, oh my gosh, what's he doing? Is he sleeping? It, I, I, that was just never a thing. And I, I know this also because my younger children always feel safe. And so they're, they're like, they're, they would just bother him a lot of times. It's like, oh, they're, they're spending a lot of time with him. And they wouldn't be doing that if they didn't feel safe. You know, if they didn't feel like on the inside, like they, like if they didn't feel like they were truly safe around him, or if there was something about him that they were afraid of, you know, because he's much older. And I know there, that there are, there are people that have, you know, different dynamics in their home where they have older children and younger children. And there are things that go on that are very traumatic. And that's just never, that's never even been the case in our family. And so I'm very, I'm very grateful for that. But I think it really does, it does um, relate to the fact that I wanted to foster that environment of safety for him. And so I was very open when he was younger, not like when he was like six and seven, but like when he was 10, 11, and he, you know, I was very open with him, especially in his teenage years about mistakes I had made and things like that. And so it's kind of like, you know, some things sound like horror stories. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, yeah, let that be a caution, you know, let that be a lesson to you, son. You know, it's a cautionary tale. <laughs> so I think when your your child knows that there's nothing that you're keeping from them, they might not feel the need to keep things from you. And when they feel safe to come to you. They know that you aren't going to judge them. They know that, you know, because that's a real thing. There are people that, you know, in, in different, you know, older generations, oh, if you do such and such, my parent, your parents are going to disown you or whatever. They, but they know that kind of mess is never going to happen. And they know that you aren't going to judge them and disapprove of them. I don't mean of their actions, but I mean of them. Like when they know that you aren't going to do that, that is so good. Then they trust you more. And th- the more trust you have, the less privacy becomes an issue. It's the same way with like in a marriage. Like I don't worry about what's on my husband's phone and he doesn't worry about what's on my phone because we do trust each other. We've established and built that trust in our relationship. And so he knows he can look at my phone whenever he wants. And I know I can look at his phone whenever I want. And we're pretty much sharing stuff on our phones with each other all the time anyway. And so it's not an issue. So yeah, if, if the, I, I, this is just my opinion. I could be totally wrong, but I do feel like the more trust you have established in your relationship, the less privacy or the invasion thereof becomes an issue. And I certainly mean that outside of the whole physical body like your your child's person is their person you know so let's talk about that phone issue because I think that's what 
because I'm, I'm just going to be 100% real with y'all. I have not been the perfect parent. Oh, and he, I, no. have, <laughs> me, I have overstepped some boundaries when it comes to, to privacy. And in hindsight, I definitely should have done some things differently because I'm the type of parent where I just feel like I need to know everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about the whole phone and the computer thing for a minute. Do you think parents should go through children's phones? Do you think parents should check their computer history and what, like, what are your thoughts on that? And I'm not going to answer because like I said, I have overstepped some boundaries, girl. Let me just tell you. Yeah. Oh no, I totally, I totally understand. Some boundaries, like for real, for real, even as like, even as my children got older, I found myself overstepping boundaries more as they got older than I did when they were maybe 12 and 13 years old, when they were approaching 16, 17, and 18. Then I found myself, you know, let me get in this phone and see what's going on. And, you know, things things of that sort. And so what what do you think about that? I think as far as like the the phone and the computer and the tablets, tablet thing is concerned, I say tablet because my, my kids have tablets. I think that can be, and again, this is just my humble opinion. I feel like that can be examined on a case-by-case basis. I'm just like you, Shirley. I want to know everything that's going on in my kids' lives. I totally do. There's not anything that I want to not be privy, privy to, you know? But for, for one thing, I have two, my two middle children. One's a teenager and one's a, a tween. You know, they're 11 and 13. They do not have phones. They have their tablets. Their tablets don't have like cellular data. It's just Wi-Fi. But they do not have cell phones. And then my youngest, she's seven. She has a tablet. It is her, literally her grandmother's old tablet. My mother-in-law passed away last year. And so she kind of inherited her little tablet that she had. And so that's it. And then the other, you know, the older two, They've had their tablets for a couple of years and they were like, you know, quote unquote, kids tablets that you get from the, from the phone, from the phone Verizon or whatever, or AT&T, whatever you have. The stuff that's on there, we already knew what was on there, but that also doesn't mean that, you know, they can't just get on the internet. They can, and they can go on YouTube. So like with my, my youngest, she likes watching toy videos. And so with her, we would just kind of say things like, mommy and daddy, we need to we need to see what you're looking at because there are some videos on here that they make it look like it's a toy video, but it's actually not a toy video. Or maybe it is, but they say some not great things or they're doing some disturbing things. And my kid being just, I guess her, you know, her personality, she's like, hey, wait, I, well, that's, you know, because she's, she's had nightmares before. She's had bad dreams. So if we say there's something, there's some content on the TV, on this TV show or this movie or whatever, that's a little disturbing. She, she immediately doesn't want to watch it. And she's like, oh, that's going to that's gonna make me, that might make me have bad dreams or whatever. So that's, that's her. I know there are lots of kids out there that you tell them stuff like that and they want to go look at it <laughs> because you told them, hey, I'm, again, I'm, I'm, let me see what she's talking about. I was not that kind of kid. And I'm, very, again, very fortunate that my kids aren't that type of, those type of, types of kids because they're just very, 
they're very sensitive and I was very sensitive as a kid. So if I saw something disturbing that, that could, that would mess me up mentally and emotionally for, for a period of time afterwards. And so I didn't like some disturbing things. And so I know that about my kids. And so it's been fairly simple for us to just be like, yeah, there's some, you know, there's some stuff here that looks like it might not be great. It looks like it could be disturbing. And they're just like, okay, yes, do that. I want to avoid that like the plague because I don't like being, I don't like being disturbed that way. It, it stays in my head. Even my, my older daughter, my 11 year old, she's had bad dreams before and she's, yeah, I know for a fact that she doesn't like seeing stuff like that. So it's been very simple. But again, it's been like on a case by case basis. It's like, oh, let me, let's talk about this right now. And let's talk about that right now. If it's, if it's a kid that is the opposite and you're like, hey, don't go watch that. Or, and we don't even say that. We, we, we try and say this, this thing has this in it. And that could be disturbing because we know that that will, that they'll understand that and it's not going to make them, you know, want to see it or, you know, we don't just say, Hey, don't, don't do that. Or, Hey, don't watch that. We like to, as much as we can give our kids some explanation, some explanation as to why it's not like our parents are just like, cause I said so. We don't do that. <laughs> we just don't do that. So if you've got a kid that's the opposite and it's just like, Anything you tell them not to do, they're going to run headlong into doing that. And I feel like sometimes that might be the average kid, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I'm going to go do it just because, so, just yeah, just because you said not to. And it's like, oh, gosh. So in situations like that, I do still think it's on a case-by-case basis. But I also, I think it goes right back to the establishing trust. And with, with stuff like this, the way you establish trust with your kids is by communicating with them, having those conversations. I thank God I was not so ashamed or too ashamed to tell my older son, oldest son about all the mistakes that I made as a teenager and a young adult. I'm glad I wasn't too ashamed to share that stuff with him because that showed him that the lines of communication, first of all, are open. It also showed him, I think that I trusted him enough to share you know, things that are uncomfortable for me to share. And so it's like, wow, she trusts me with this information. Maybe I can trust her. And so if you're not having this, if you don't have those kinds of conversations with your kids on a regular basis, then that trust really isn't established. And so when you say, hey, don't go do that, of course they're going to want to, I mean, they already want to go do it anyway, because just maybe that's their personality. But they're definitely not going to listen to you then. So I think if you, if you want to have a fighting chance, that it really does go back to establishing that trust and establishing good communication. And again, showing them that, A, you trust them enough to be vulnerable that way with them. And B, that you are not going to judge them if they share things with you. You're not going to disapprove of them as, as a person because they told you about a mistake they made. Again, I, I really do think if they know that you know, off the jump, it'll be a lot easier to be like, maybe that stuff's not great, or I have a problem with it because I know that it, it's got a whole bunch of violence in it, or it's got this or that and the other, and that stuff really, really bothers me. It, it, it hurts me emotionally. And then you might get a, a response back from a kid, like my oldest son, you know, he's like, yeah, that stuff doesn't really affect me like that. 
I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, but at least they're, they're talking to you. And if you know that, you know, and they're talking to you that way, you might know that, oh, okay, well, they're going to go watch this or do that or whatever. And it might not be a thing that you can stop, but at least, you know, you at least have an inkling of what they're doing instead of them just keeping everything. You know what I mean? I agree with you. Children most certainly deserve to have privacy. And I think that if you have created an environment where they are comfortable sharing things with you, that privacy will not be an issue. If you mm-hmm. created an environment where you trust them, y'all can communicate openly, that privacy will not be an issue. Now, I will say that as a parent, trust your intuition. Yeah. Trust, and, and you want to consistently and deliberately be praying over your children. See, I'm a, I'm a follower yep. of Christ. I'm a Christian. And you need to be doing that. And you need to ask God, ask Ooh, God for his protection over them. And then ask God yeah. to reveal things to you that you need to know. And God would do that. And when he reveals it to you, don't brush it off. You always want, like you want to give them some level of privacy, but you also want to be monitoring what they're doing. like text messages and stuff. And I'm not saying like just randomly go through their phones, but if something strikes you as unusual, question it. If he or she are, you know, are are behaving, you know, in a way that they normally don't behave. If you see them hide their phone, find out what that is. They deserve privacy, but why are you hiding it? You know, find out, ask the right questions, find out what those things kids, children do deserve just like adults deserve privacy. They desire privacy too, but at the same time, you want to be monitoring or kind of keeping an eye on what they're doing. By all means, do not just snatch their phone and you know go through their. Oh phone. gosh, no! Yeah, if you want things to go go all the way sideways and just have a rift in your relationship, yeah, just go snatching everything and just. That's why like, I have definitely I yes, I have <laughs> definitely overstepped some boundaries, but in hindsight, I know that I should have done those things differently. So I encourage you, first and foremost, stay in good relationship with God. Pray over your children. Ask God to reveal things to you and ask for wisdom and guidance in how you handle specific situations. Never just react. Always ask God for how you need to, to, to handle that situation. Work on your respondability is what I like to call it. Work yeah. on how how you how you respond. So don't go snatching their phones and going through their going through their text messages and emails and what's that other thing called Snapchat and I think all oh, your, yeah. I think all the kids are doing Snapchat now. But you do want to be aware of what they're doing. You so want to be aware, of course. You want to be aware. So if anything seems out of the ordinary, question that and then do the necessary research and then make the necessary adjustments, whatever those adjustments, because Natty and I cannot tell you how to handle your child because oh, no. each, each child is an individual and needs to be handled differently. And so ultimately you will determine how much privacy your child needs based on the relationship that you have with your child and how they have acted in the past. And so that's going to determine you know how, and I hope we, I hope we answered that to your satisfaction. But yeah, 
Yeah, relating to be, you know, everybody has a different way of relating based on just the, you know, their personality, um, mm-hmm. their their own experiences. And so being able to relate to your kid on the level that they need is extremely important. And just like you, Shirley, like, man, oh, man, I wouldn't, I would not. Okay, first of all, I just wouldn't even be like where I am mm-hmm. without praying with, without a very exactly. serious prayer yeah. life. Yeah, and so I, I pray over my children on a regular basis because I want them mainly you know, nowadays is just because I want them to be safe. So I'm always praying over them, and then I'm also praying over myself as a mom because, like I said earlier, like it was just the grace of God that you know I have the relationship that I have with my with my son, my oldest son. Not because not because I oh I did so many horrible things as a parent, but because you. You know, most parents don't get that, you know? Absolutely. And I didn't go into it thinking, I'm going to do all these things right and then I'll have it. No, I, I, I prayed. I prayed like a house of fire but to, to have this kind of relationship that I have with him. And I still pray to have that kind of relationship with my kids. And I feel like with my younger kids. And so I feel like if you're doing that and you're asking for wisdom, because I ask for that on the daily as well, mm-hmm. then Yeah the Lord is going to speak to you and uh-huh. show you when well, something's amiss. And if that, I believe that is your intuition. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like that is the Holy Spirit. That is, that the, is the Holy you Spirit. know, trusting your gut. So when you're, when you're always you got that check in your gut, yeah. you, Cause you I trust tell you, it. That gut will never steer you. It wrong. doesn't steer you it wrong. And so if you're wrong. getting that kind of, if you're getting that kind of information, then take it a step forward further Mm -hmm. and trust that you will receive wisdom on the right Mm -hmm. kinds of questions to ask. Yeah. And God kinds of questions that will not turn your kid away, but will draw them to you. I I always say never ignore the signs because they are there for a reason. So ask plenty of questions and by all means ask for discernment. Okay, so let's get to, I think we got time for one more question. One more. Yep. What is going to be? Sick. All right. Oh, this is a good one. Oh, my gosh. Does being a strong single mother for so long affect how you handle a new healthy relationship? Well, let Ooh, me child. tell you. <laughs> now, this one, this one, like, in all honesty, this one does deserve a full episode, but we are going it to try. Really it really does. Because does. we and, both, and we you're made, a single mom. I yes. have been a single mom. Yeah. That, yeah. It really does deserve a single, a, a, a whole episode. And we may revisit it at a later date, but I'm going to go ahead and, and, well, we are going to go ahead and try to answer it right now. So like Natty said, I'm a single mom. She has been a single mom. And let me just tell you, honey. Oh, yeah. The answer yeah. is yes, it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it do. It does. does. <laughs> and let me tell you, because I think, first of all, as Black women, we have this thing where we, we're independent and we want mm-hmm. things on our own and we don't really want to rely on people to do things for us. So that is multiplied, multiplied when you are a single mother because you have been doing things on your own for so long. So you're in that, for lack of a better phrase, you're in that position where I don't need a man. I can do this by myself. 
And so, yes, being a, a strong single mother absolutely affects how you handle a new healthy relationship. But because you recognize that it does, <laughs> here's yeah. the opportunity to change some things. Because at the end of the day, we do need people, not just a man, not but we need people. We cannot we people. do life. We cannot do life alone. So I think right. as a strong black single mother that, and I'm assuming this person is black. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was too. Oh yeah, because there's a whole lot of other stuff that goes with that, you know. There's a whole lot of other stuff. It's not like so, it can be any single mom. Yes, it can yeah. be any single mom. But also, there are other things that are unique to our experience that absolutely. we speak to on a regular Girl, you know, on this podcast. But, so, I mean, like, absolutely, it does. Like, it's a hard yes for me. It absolutely affects how you handle a new health relationship because we have trouble relinquishing control because we've been doing it by ourselves all this time. I've been, I've been doing whatever, whatever my kids need done for them. I've done it. I I've cooked for them. I've paid my bills. I go to work every day. I don't have to depend on anybody for anything. I got me and I got them. And so it's hard to give that up. It's hard to give it up, but it can be done and like I said this that like that's all that I, I really that really sh- I, I that should have just been a whole episode <laughs> on its own because there's just so much to goes that goes into that but it's definitely a hard yes and so I think what Natty and I will do and we'll talk about it is we'll do we'll do a whole episode on that but it's a hard yes for me what do you think Natty? hard same hard same what you were saying about how it just it gets really difficult to relinquish any control. I definitely felt that like I, I, and what I would say is it felt difficult to enter into a cooperative kind of thing or, Oh, it's not just me. It's me and him. And we're going to do this together because I, uh, you know, yeah, I am independent and my, you know, my mom raised me like that. So you know, for better or worse, because there are there are some not so great things about that, and one of them being that you feel like it's just you versus the world, and you're just all by yourself, and no woman is an island, no black woman is an island. We cannot do this by ourselves as much as we'd like to believe that we can. And so, having someone come alongside you, while yeah, you want that because you know it feels good, and you're you're you know you're entering into a relationship. At the same time, it's just it sends off all kinds of all kinds of alarms because you're like, wait a minute, now we're gonna try and parent together. No, I have the way I do things, and I don't like the way you do things, or or whatever. And it's like, you know, you're not gonna come in here and tell me what to do or tell say. Blah, blah, blah. There's all that stuff that you gotta work through for the the benefit of of the relationship. And I think also for the healthy relationship. And I think also for your own benefit, because again, like you said, in recognizing this, you recognize that you can't do everything by yourself. And you also recognize that, you know, vulnerability is, is not weakness and it is not a four letter word. That part. And the more you, 
exhibit vulnerability to a person that you're in deep relationship with that you love, again, it goes back to establishing that trust. Like mm-hmm. we're only going to establish the trust to, you know, the degree that we establish the trust will be directly related, I think, to the degree that we were willing to show vulnerability. And that can feel like it's flying in the face of being all super independent. But again, in order to have a healthy relationship and in order to show your children that healthy relationships do exist and are possible, that's what we have to do. And that's like a skill that we have to learn. That's like going to school or something. And it's not easy. And you don't always feel like you want to do it. It's just like, why can't everything just be great already? And it just doesn't work that way. I think the important thing to to remember in relinquishing a little bit of control is that you don't have to do it all at once. Mm -hmm. Just give up just a little bit at a time. And the other important thing is to give yourself some grace. Because you, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to give it and then you're going to take it back. You're going to give it and you're going to take it back. Because that's who we are. We like to be in control. So baby step. Give up a little bit at a time. Say, you know what? Hey, I'm going to let him handle this for me. And then maybe two or three weeks down the line, you know what? He did an outstanding job with that. Let me give this to him. So just baby steps. Whatever you can do. Do that and don't beat yourself up about it if you end up taking it back. But then give it back. Just just keep going. You know, give yourself some grace and baby steps. And one thing that I think will make that a a little bit more, it'll make it a little less painful, a little bit easier. You know that the person that you're in a relationship with is also taking those same baby steps toward you. Absolutely. They're single and they're entering into a relationship. They're not single anymore. They also have to relinquish control. They also have to learn to compromise and yep, it's give learn and to take. meet you where you're at. It's a lot mm-hmm. of giving. Oh, that one right and there. Cooperating where you are, Natty. Girl, say that again. Yeah, yeah. Like you've got, you, they've got to be able to meet you where you are. Just mm-hmm. like you have to be willing to meet them where they are. And if you're constantly making those steps toward each other that way, and working and communicating and working on establishing again trust. And the way you establish trust is by being willing to be vulnerable with each other. Mm-hmm. Then it, yeah, those baby steps become more and more frequent. And you look back and you realize the baby steps weren't even super tiny. They were actually right. kind of large leaps. Exactly. Each other. Yeah. Yes. yes. But anyway, like I had said, mm-hmm. that's, a whole, that's a whole episode. It is. Because like there's, a, there's, a there's a lot of stuff. There's there are a lot of dynamics there. To that. <laughs> So we may, we may, well, I know we definitely will. I'm just not going to commit to a time when we're going to do it. You can do it though, girl. Do oh, it. You totally can. <laughs> I'm living do proof. It. You can totally do it. Yeah, you, you can, de- yeah. you can definitely, you can definitely do it. So anyway, that's all the time we have for questions tonight. We have a part two coming up next week. So um, if your question did not get answered tonight, tune in to next week's episode and we will answer those questions there. Again, if you don't have your question answered in either episode, know that we are committing a full episode to it. So do you have anything you would like to add, Natty? No, just looking forward to uh, hearing whatever the new questions are next week. (laughs) 
That's right. This is really good for thinking on your feet. You know, what I mean? yes, <laughs> we, got, we got more. And we, and we like to think on our feet because we like to keep this as authentic as possible. Yeah, yeah. You know, get, we, we, we like to give you guys our heart. And yes. so, you know, yes, we, don't, we, don't, we don't write out answers to these questions. We do look at them in advance and be like, oh, that's a good one. But and yeah. then I go right back to whatever it was I'm doing and forget <laughs> exactly. all about it. It's like, oh, right. That's what we were going to talk about. Oh, okay. Right, right. <laughs> so um, we would love to hear what you, th- what you thought about our responses to these questions. So as always, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Our email is hi at shadesofstrong.com. We would love to hear from you. So, yeah, get out of here, y'all. Peace. Bye. Good night. All right, it's not night. Anyway, we out of here. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>